A toast to Luke S., who took a figurative body slam from Chris Harrison with as much grace and aplomb as he took a literal body slam from Luke P. To Luke S. To Luke S. Cheers to That is a podcast dedicated to the deep questions of life that only a creative franchise like The Bachelor can inspire. Steph and J-Jack explore the stories, the drinks, and the bingo card-inducing drama on Cheers to That. Cheers! Alright, so we got to talk about the uh, cocktail of the week. I had to do a lot of looking around to see what they were drinking that would be an inspiration, and I finally found one. Uh, One morning, I think in the second episode... Christian goes to the bar and orders an iced coffee with coconut milk. Only well, she says that, you know, like Christian, so it's like, oh, I'm an iced coffee with coconut milk. She said it very politely. Well, I mean, she's, she's always whispering. Anyway, so, um, so this cocktail is inspired by that. Okay, so this is a good brunch cocktail, a good tropical Caribbean brunch cocktail. So um, check it out in the show notes. It's going to involve uh, a nice aged rum some lime zest, brown sugar, of course, some homemade cold brew iced coffee, and of course, that delicious coconut milk froth on top, uh, and some cinnamon to add some dimension to it. So check out the recipe in the show notes, and uh, hope you enjoy it. Cheers. So week six, and I'm starting to feel like, I mean, I I, I hate to say this because I love summer, but I'm getting a little bit of that summer fatigue where I'm kind of like okay like we're all you know kids are back in school people are uh, trying to wear sweaters once in a while you know I know it's it's still like in the 90s here in Nashville but I'm 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 feeling ready for autumn already and so seeing people just sunburned and and parched on tequila and, a lot of, and, lot of salt. and sweaty in in Mexico. It's just kind of like, okay, aren't we done with this yet? And and we're close, y'all. We are. It's it's really funny because like you and I, you and I both know the whole thing is filmed over like two weeks or something like that. Hey, I think it's three. So, okay, so three <laughs> three whole weeks. It's made to make you think that they're there, they're there for like seven weeks. Could you imagine being on that beach for seven weeks? No, and I don't know how anybody would keep their job. You know, I mean, unless they're like. I don't know, Instagramming from there. I know a lot of them get their money from promotional spots on on social media. So I suppose they could be doing it from there, but I feel like that would also be a violation of like whatever kind of privacy contract, you know, ABC has made them sign. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't really see how, uh, although I guess being on the show at all is, it is probably, a job. it's a big payoff. Yeah. But if they have any point being, if they had any kind of real job, there's no way that they could take off that much time. So a lot of controversy to get into. Um, a lot of um, ships kind of broken on the rocks this episode. A few relationships do carry on, but um, I think it's time for us to get into a rapid recap. Rapid recap. <laughs> All right. So do you mean it? I do. So a rapid recap. You don't need to listen to an actual recap show here's all you need to know uh about the last two episodes number one uh how about revian's opening credit did you catch that uh yeah i mean I, I feel like she was one of the only ones who wasn't just standing there smiling so i applaud her use of props 
<laughs> All right. So number two, after 10 weeks, we actually get our first interaction between Christina and Dean. Yeah, she really seemed to be, or maybe they both were avoiding each other, or at least she was avoiding him. I'm not sure, but yeah. They've been on the beach for, quote unquote, weeks, and we've never seen them actually talk until this episode. So she took her opportunity to tear him a new one. (laughs) That was pretty awesome. Uh, Okay, number three, Uh, Caitlin has a broken picker. Yeah, that's that's not new information. (laughs) Uh, Number four. This season has been the return of the Night Wonners season. Did you notice this? Everyone, like half the people on the show are people that are kicked off the first night of their season. Yeah, and even even Matt Donald, who went home on night one, has been a major player. Frankly, I don't remember Revian, but you know. I, I, hoped it, I was hoping she would kind of bloom, and she really didn't. It's unfortunate. Number five, um, suddenly Demi hates PDA. This is news. Yeah, I guess this didn't apply to when she was making out with Derek in hot tubs and, you know, hanging all over him and vice versa when they were together. It's well, a mis- little mysterious. Well, nothing about her arc has been contrived at all this season, so I don't know what you're talking about. That's true. Number six, Christian gives us a crash course in love languages. Yeah, the, the book, The Five Love Languages, if you're not familiar with it, is written by a, a psychologist named Gary Chapman, and it is a big hit with contestants on this show, and they're all about words of affirmation, except for Christian, who's apparently into physical touch. My love language is a brownie a la mode. Anyway, uh, <laughs> number seven, uh, JPJ cranks up the John Hughes in this week. Yeah, he really took it back to 1988 with that whole impromptu prom date. Wait, improm, improm, impromptu prom prom date? Yes, I'm I'm struggling for a pun. This uh, whole podcast sounds very promising right now. Well, I don't want to be self-promoting, but... (laughs) Well, if this were ancient Greece, you would be the Prometheus of this season. Well, he was really promiscuous. I'm done. I don't know who this is for other than us, but we're having a good time. No actual fan of the show would appreciate these jokes at all. Okay. Uh, Number eight, there is nothing more romantic than crashing a nine-year-old's birthday party. Yeah, when Dylan picked up the kid, I was like, Dylan, don't pick up the kid. You're going to, he's going to be in therapy. So who are these strangers shouting to us in broken Spanish that they love each other? What's going on? Or that they are each other? (laughs) I am her. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's all that kid needs for his feliz cumpleaños is uh you know uh an instagram model man saying i am hannah number nine uh there's this weird moment where clay wears a t-shirt and jeans before a date and the girls act like he's wearing a tuxedo yeah he's like this is just like a pretty typical chicago look <laughs> i used to live in chicago and he is right many people do wear jeans and a t-shirt there but i didn't ever get the impression that that was chicago specific as, as opposed to everywhere in america yeah it seems to be uh catching on across the nation that old chicago combo of jeans and a t-shirt yeah back in california we used to wear beekeepers outfits as a casual look number 10 did you know that Brie is a supermodel? I had no idea. It's true. She, she's a model. She's oh, is she? Is that? It, oh, okay. I don't think Matt Donald ever mentioned it. 
So how would we know? I had to do some research after the viewing. Anyway, number 11. It's so good to know that someone can love Hannah G in spite of all of her imperfections. Yes, they are vast. You can... <laughs> Yeah, thank God for those filters on Instagram, right? Just really clearing up all those blemishes and unsightly warts and wounds. She's hideous. She's a train wreck, folks. And don't forget, she's so awkward. It reminds me of that whole Portlandia sketch about actual nerds versus girls who say they're nerds. Yeah, I'm just I'm just such a nerd. It's like I love sci-fi and I wear glasses and and I have bangs. <laughs> and we can go on walks. And wear cut-off sweatshirts. <clears throat> All right, number 12. If you outlast your rival, you get a fuzzy white highlight reel of everything you did on the show that conveniently forgets all about him. Yeah, Derek was just cut right out of that whole JPJ versus Derek love triangle with Tasha. It's as if the tension never existed, but we remember. We remember everything. <laughs> all right, so that was your rapid recap of the week. Let's dive into the pressing questions that were inspired by this week's viewing. All right, so here's the first thing that stuck out to me. I mean, the the whole situation with Kaylin and, and Dean. I mean, nobody watching the show thought, "Oh, this is a good idea." Um, and I can't wait until we see the after Paradise, you know, interviews next week and find out how bad of a train wreck it was. But there's one thing she says that I found really interesting. You know, you, you you kind of really nitpick about these characters and what they're saying and they let certain little things slip and it reveals an idea or a a a preconceived notion that's motivating certain things and she she said this one thing when dean is kind of like looking at her with those big puppy dog eyes of his and saying you know come come with me uh is that she says i wanted to be with someone who pushes me and challenges me and then she goes on and she goes on and then decides that she wants to go with him as if that is just like an acceptable and reasonable thing cuz yeah he's just kind of like okay right sure and, and it, this happens a lot on the show uh, you hear a guy say it a lot like i want to be with someone who really challenges me he really pushes me and like I, I i get the sentiment behind that like when i hear that from people on the show what my mind thinks of immediately is that okay they want to be with someone who stretches out their comfort zone or makes them want to be more mature or more responsible. And I, I, I get all that, but like being, having been married for seven plus years now, most of being married isn't like constantly being challenged and stretched. It's just doing basic life together. And it seems like this, this weird misconception from people who are single that in order to be in a good marriage, I have to constantly be battling something or be with someone who's not like me at all. And therefore I'll become a different, better person. Yeah. The idea of being challenged or pushed by somebody is, is something that I think you'd want to look for in a personal trainer uh, or like a soccer coach, you know, or, or a drill sergeant. Um, not really in somebody who, from whom you want love and support and companionship because, I mean, the other side of that coin is that the person could, you know, perpetually be dissatisfied with you 
and saying like, oh, well, you need to improve in this area and you need to improve in this area and just exhaust you because they're and constantly telling you how you're not measuring up to their standards. And that would be just crushing after a while. Um, but I mean, I think a lot of these folks have had maybe their only relationship experience has been with people who are really disengaged and are not really um, invested in them as people don't really care that much. And so they think the opposite of that is. I want to push you. I want to make you a better person and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, well, you don't have to like push somebody to make them a better person. You can just love someone and that makes them a better person. That makes them happier and more at peace and more confident. Um, and it's not pushing. It's it's accepting, right? Right. So like, well, so a common belief I had before I met you was I thought I needed to be with someone who's very um, – meek and gentle more of a ha- <laughs> you know, you know well, I'm, I'm trying to to not use tribal language like you know, so, sorry bud <laughs> yeah i'm trying to not use tribal language like enneagram or or myers-briggs um but like you know um someone who's more harmony seeking more demure you know i like harmony but i'm not I'm not, I'm not demure. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. And, well, so like, because my, because my, my logic was I'm this very brash, loud, outspoken, opinionated guy. And so I need to be with someone who's more gentle and meek so that I'll be rounded out. And I realize now, I think of certain, certain people in my life that kind of fit that mold. If I had married the, those people, they would have been exasperated by me and I would have been exasperated by them. We, we would not have become more like each other. We would have been just constantly at odds with each other. And I will say to, I tend to, as somebody who's a little bit more outgoing and a little bit more outspoken, I do tend to be friends a lot of times with people who are with women who are more demure and more introverted and give off that kind of like sweet and quiet, gentle, uh, vibe and they're not as passive as men think they are. They have a lot of opinions and they have a lot of, a lot of times they have really strong feelings about things. They just are kind of quieter about them until you piss them off long enough. Um, and then they explode on you. So, you Yay. know, it's, it's not, um, it's not that, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think there's, there's sort of this kind of Madonna archetype going on. Um, you see it with these men and how they do these projections. I mean, JPJ does it to to Tasha to some extent, and all the men I think did it to Hannah G for sure. Uh-huh. Where they are just like, oh my gosh, she's so perfect. Well, and she's it's like, kind well, of a, she's just not really talking a whole lot. Yeah, she's kind, <laughs> she's kind of a blank canvas for you to project whatever you want onto her. A very very pretty blank canvas, and so. Yeah, maybe those are the flaws that she's referring to. Is that sometimes she gets mad? You know what, girl, it's okay. <laughs> sometimes I have a personality. Uh, but like, you know, an example, you know, that you shared with me at one point was that you thought you needed to have more of a bookwormy person as a husband. Yeah. I always thought like, oh, when I, I was always drawn to men who were more introverted and, and a bit more bookish and, um, quiet. And, and I don't know how to read. So, <laughs> right. What are books? Um, but I, I always thought like, oh, well, I, I'm more extroverted. I can draw them out and like that'd be really fun and I can be kind of the like loud boisterous one and they can be, you know, more quiet and reserved, sort of a Dharma and Greg kind of right. cliche. Um, but somebody, a friend of mine who was married, when I said said that about about myself, said just very bluntly, 
nah, you need another extrovert you can have fun with. And uh, I called him back after I met you and I was like, hey, you were right. <laughs> yeah. So, so, okay, so all that, all that into account. Well, and let me say too, yeah, it yeah, doesn't, yeah. it doesn't mean that there aren't things about our relationship that we balance each other out. We definitely do. Right. But it just doesn't have to be such a, like, the scales don't have to be so even in like, this person's a little bit shy. This person's a little bit talkative. This person's kind of bookish. This person's free spirited. You know, it doesn't have to be so um, binary in that way. Or wooden, you know. Right. Yeah. Formulaic in that way. And so, um, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of ways that you can, you know, balance each other out or bring out the best in other people. Um, like you and I, I think, are, have a lot of overlap in our Venn diagram, but we have other people in our lives that that aren't that way and those are the ones that kind of help us so like you know you and i are very future thinking very kind of abstract and we're not the best at like keeping our house really tidy like versus other couples we can think of who are very into being organized for example very into physical space and you and i are just more abstract thinking so you know we have other friends like that that kind of help sharpen us in that way we don't if you don't have to get it all from your relationship. You can get it from your community. You can get it from your friendships. You can go like, hey, I have something to learn from you. And just because I'm not in a romantic relationship with you, that doesn't mean I, I can't learn from you and benefit from having you in my life. So that brings up a really good point, actually. These people think in this kind of all or nothing kind of paradigm because they're really caught up in this happily ever after thing. Like once I find my person, then I am complete or then I'm done. And that's a very unfortunate and very dangerous way of looking at things. Let's just let's just pretend Tasha and JPJ got together. Then what? You know, they're they're going to have to, you know, do personal finances. They're going to have to. Well, he is a financial analyst, so they may be okay in that department. Okay, so bad example. Uh, you know, they're going to have to buy a house together. They're, they're going to have to work out communications. They're going to have other friends that they're going to interact with. It's 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 it's, it's it's a much more dimensional view than just the way this show presents everything. So with that in mind, when Kaylin says she wants to be with Dean because she wants to be with someone who's going to push her and challenge her, I don't feel like, I feel like the way she's looking at it is that he's so out of the box and loose and crazy and that is challenging for me. Therefore, it's challenging in a uh, productive way or... Um, in a way in a way that's going to make her better he can also be challenging because he's destructive and yeah, because he's just frustrating be like i see you see someone who's, who's really free-spirited because they're self-destructive and irresponsible that's not gonna make you better to be with that person like oh i'm gonna be a more dimensional person because i'm with this homeless guy you know he doesn't have a bed. He's so free. And so, and so I just, uh, it's just really unfortunate. I'm watching this like complete idiot move happen right in front of me. And he doesn't conform to society because society won't accept him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think there's also a little bit of romance for Kalen in it too, that he's sort of like this wild horse that needs to be broken and and he he can't be tamed and he's he's a little bit ungettable and so she's probably really flattered that he's like oh i've changed my ways for you right aren't right. you special and i mean i get i mean i guess she's special if that's the case but i mean 
she also may be setting herself up for just a delayed disappointment that like, you know, he's really not going to change. He's just going to say what he needs to say until uh, until inevitably they both get tired of it and, and frustrated at the, the kind of instability of their situation and it implodes. But, you know, I'm, I'm a romantic. <laughs> okay, so that brings up a good point, too. So do you think it's really just that kind of Beauty and the Beast paradigm where he's this wild, untamable guy and she wants to tame him kind of situation? I think there's probably some of that because his, I haven't listened to it, but his podcast is called Help, it's called Help I Suck at Dating. Everyone has a podcast. Everybody has a podcast, yeah. Says. I mean, we do. So his his podcast is called help i suck at dating and so he's kind of branded himself as this like oh my gosh i'm so hopeless with women and like but really it's like the guy who's hopeless with women because he chooses to be right because um, he's like really attractive and hard, hard uh, to feel bad about him yeah he's he's got this whole like george clooney like you know i'll be single forever kind of thing and so i could see it being really attractive to a woman being like oh i want to be the one who who makes him reform his ways I see. To so, be to be with me. So it's an ego thing, like no one can tame him but me kind of a thing. I think I, it seems like that's probably in the mix somewhere in there. Hmm. Well, best of luck to her. Um, yeah, that van's going to start smelling real bad real soon. <laughs> uh, so I guess we should talk about... It's going to um, smell like sweat and spaghetti. Oh, my goodness. Can't wait. I love how, like, every dish he listed that she eats in the van will have noodles involved somehow. Unless we get through with this segment without remembering poor Connor. Because he really was the victim in this situation. Because he did nothing wrong. He was having a nice time getting to know Kaylin. He thought that she was single. She was giving him every indication that things were going well and that... um that she was enjoying spending time with him. And then she just dropped him like a hot potato. She was just like, okay, I'm leaving. I'm sorry. Bye. And yeah, I felt really bad for him. By the way, I was trying to figure out, I I have this thing where every time somebody kind of looks like someone else, it it will drive me crazy until I figure out who who it is. And uh, I I mentioned before, I like to read recaps by, Allie Barthwell at vulture.com. Um, she does amazing Bachelor franchise recaps. And she called him Long Michael Sarah. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's it. He, oh my gosh. That's he really looks good. like an idealized version of Michael Sarah. So you're welcome. The, the pl- if, if you're wondering, it's Long Michael Sarah. I, I am the. Pl- I'm the platonic ideal of Michael Sarah. Yeah. 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 Sunscreen. Yeah. So the next thing that I um, was struck by this week was just how much of a dumpster fire Katie and Chris B are and just how weird and freaked out by everything Chris is and how drunk they both are all the time. (laughs) That may be a contributor to their relationship and communication problems. Guys, get sober and have a couple conversations, like just with like a coffee or like an an iced tea, and uh, maybe everything wouldn't feel so high stakes and fuzzy uh, and confusing. I will say in his defense, though, so right after the fake Titanic date between Taisha and JPJ, that's when the first kind of confrontation happens, and that's when things start going kind of fuzzy for them both and 
Katie looked super drunk. And honestly, I wouldn't want to have a meaningful conversation on that level when you're that inebriated either. So I will say there is something there in his defense. But from that point on, there was, there was one thing they were saying this week that kind of struck me was that he was saying something like, like, I need to feel really secure. I need to feel really secure. And she goes like, oh, like, yeah, it'll, it'll just be a feeling. Yeah, it'll be a feeling. It'll be a feeling. And what's stronger than that, right? Feelings. Yeah. Once I just said this feeling kind of switch on, then I'll, then I'll feel great. And it's just, I feel like that kind of framing of like, of like security in relationships is really confusing. Like, how can you pursuing a feeling, basically a certain feeling gets manufactured somehow and then you guys start feeling better about your relationship. And it's, it's really unfortunate just how inarticulate everyone is on the show. Because I'm like, what do you mean when you say that? Because they, some, they say something like, it's a feeling, it's a feeling of when, when this feeling happens, I will be secure. And it's like, well, what do you, like, there's no teasing out. There's no actual questions asked. There's no, nobody ever asked, like, like, you feel uncertain. Why do you feel uncertain? Like, what, if we were to be together and things were to go wrong, how do you imagine things going wrong? Like, actually, like, expressing tangible things instead of just being, oh, I just, you know, I get scared. Oh, yeah, you shouldn't be scared, though. It's not okay to be scared. Oh, yeah, but I get scared. And does that make sense? Yeah, and I do think that she, meaning Katie, did talk him down pretty reasonably um for like a day and then then he's back to being a shit the next day yeah well he's he's a veteran of the show and if you're a veteran of the show you're you're also a veteran of things not working out for you on this show and also things not working out for you in life because if they were working out for you in life you wouldn't be going on the show so i just want to give her a little credit the 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 talking down that she did which was basically her saying hey you know You've been hurt and things haven't worked out for you, but I like you and I want to keep trying this and you don't have to be afraid of of me leaving because you're unsure. I'm I'm willing to work through this with you. She just did a really good job and I'm just saying that it in this uh in this amorphous sea of inarticulate feelings, she actually made a little bit of sense and I appreciated that. I'm just thinking so my my introduction to Chris B was the BIP season where he came down in the Santa mask and got like blackout drunk on that first night fell into the fire and then as he's like leaving the beach they're editing all the things that were said about him like as if they were like ghosts haunting him do you remember that i don't actually i I think it's like season one or two but like that's what i think of him is like man this guy is is on self-destruct mode and when someone like katie actually likes him it's like look dude you're not gonna get any better just just Man up. Just hang in there. <laughs> just just go one day at a time. Go, you know what? I'm going to date this person for six months, and I'm going to just let it go for six months, you know? And just, it's it's not this high-stakes thing. It's always framed up to be this, like, life-or-death situation. Yeah, I think part of it is that it is arranged to make people feel like if you're not getting engaged tomorrow afternoon you're a failure and it's like no you don't have to do that you can just say like hey let's keep dating let's keep long distance dating it doesn't even have to be like anybody is moving for anybody else just you know we're gonna keep communicating with each other after we're out of this uh summer camp style uh vacuum of uh of emotion this glass case of emotion to quote ron burgundy 
Scotch, 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 scotch. Well, this is what frustrated me about how JPJ and Tasha ended. Like, he says he loves her. She says, I'm not there yet. They could have left together. They could have said, you know what? Let's just keep dating back in real life and just take it from there. We don't have to do the song and dance of the show anymore. Um, I guess we're going to find out more next week about that. They, they teased out something. Uh, I hope it's on a giant train wreck. I will say, too, it was a little bit strange how after all of his crying and blowing his nose into the air and then burying it in the sand and laugh sobbing and, and all the dramatic shouting matches and everything that, that JPJ has done up to this point, uh, motivated by his strong feelings for Tasha, that when he actually was rejected that he just kind of went goodbye Tasha, and he walked away it was like what that that's it so um I was glad to get a little bit of a preview that it's not entirely over because that that felt very weirdly unsatisfying to me it was like really no like sobbing breakdown nothing I mean he did carry her like he was carrying that was a shocker wow carrying his bride over the threshold or something but um it was just kind of weird but uh other than that, it really was kind of anticlimactic. So, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what happens. I just um, it's hard to know as a viewer, like what do I officially think of with JPJ because he was likable at times, but he was a complete dick at times. Like the way he handled things with Derek was super. Like he just projected this whole story and didn't even want to come to reason with it, and so you want to think of him as like one of the villains and then you want to think of him as, as one of the heroes all in this all at the same at the same time not in like a redemptive arc kind of way it's just it's just it's very disconnected like you're seeing two different stories and they're not connected to each other you know you know what i'm saying yeah he he was definitely a mixed bag and you get a little bit of whiplash seeing the the story play out the way that the editors are kind of going back and forth with with those two storylines and those two images of uh or those two perceptions of his behavior and uh i mean you see it really blatantly in the little recap uh memory montage where derek is just totally cut out of it and he's just being romantic and cute and it's like where's all the stuff where he was like hostile and aggressive and like cutting derek off and yeah it was it was definitely a revised history in that moment. It, it's it's hard because if it wasn't just a, an actual scripted show, usually you would see the ugly stuff and you would, it would be framed up in a way where it's like he's defending her honor or it's a redemptive kind of thing. And it's not. It's basically like two different timelines played next to each other. And it's very strong. All right, let's jump into our second-to-last Bachelor in Paradise bingo session for the season. Uh, let's find out if you won episode 11 on week 6, Blurred Body Part. Kaylin starts cussing, surprise, surprise, after Dean asks her to leave with him. Sunburn. Connor looks pretty pink. He also looks pretty in pink. His dad is Nelson Ringwald. <laughs> All right, uh... Breaking up a couple, Dean breaks up Kaylin and Connor. Misusing the English language, this one was subtle, but you have to be careful to pick it up. Katie says there are things that are missing, and Chris in agreement says, as I am. And she's like, what? He says, as I am, meaning, as am I. That's not how it works. Sobbing, uh, Connor cries while Blake consoles him. 
Dancing, Katie and Chris dance on their date. Tequila in any form. Katie is holding an entire bottle of tequila in her hands while dancing with that parade. Love Polygon, it's another triangle. Matt, Bree, and Sydney. Although I use the word love very loosely in this case. DIY date, uh, JPJ makes up a fake prom. Aww. Uh, bad kissing. There's a very quick kiss between Blake and Christina where she was clearly not ready and it looked very awkward. Yeah, she sort of like half shrugs him off like a pick and roll move. It's it's very uncomfortable. Which is very telling for what happens next, which you know we'll discuss. All right, moving on to episode 12 of week six. Speaks Spanish poorly. Dylan means to say he loves Hannah and actually says he is Hannah. That was fun. The phrase falling in love, Hannah says it in an ITM before their birthday crashing date. Looks visibly drunk. Katie and Chris B both look very tossed during the uh, pseudo Titanic date. This seems to be a trend for them. They uh, they're enjoying their time on paradise and the beverages. Uh, a spontaneous toast. Clay toasts uh, his date with Nicole. More dancing. Instead of actually discussing the state of their relationship, Nicole and Clay dance. DIY date. Tasha's pseudo Titanic date with JPJ. Misusing English, JPJ uses the word crotchal when describing his drawing of himself that Tasha did for him during their little date there. Date turned down. This doesn't quite count, but I'm counting it for you guys at home. Uh, when Luke P gives his rose to Bree and she turns it down, I count that as a no to the date. She was definitely turning down any future dates he might want to take her on, so sure. It's fair. So, sobbing. Sydney uh, cries in an ITM when leaving paradise. And finally... Poor Sydney, we liked you. I know, I, it's not fair. Uh, finally, mentioning a past successful couple. Chris Harrison lists pretty much every successful couple that's been married on this show. So did you win? Let us know how you did on Instagram. Tag us, and uh, we'll congratulate you. Until next time. But, uh, oh, well, say la vie, such is life. Um, I think there's other things to talk about here, uh, namely uh, Demi and Christian. I'm kind of wanting to revisit their arc. I think the episode this week went into some really interesting territory. So it's really funny because in episode 12, Chris Harrison has everyone at the Rose Palapa uh, talk about having those real conversations. And, and it's and it's it's framed up in a way where it's like, you're finally going to have a real conversation. And everyone's like, yeah, I got to have a real conversation now. And I'm thinking like, guys, you've been on the beach for weeks with these people. Like you haven't had any conversations of substance yet. And it's, it's framed up like this very novel idea. And everyone's talking about, like, oh, we're going to have real conversations. And of course, when they have a quote unquote real conversation, it's not real at all. And no one's asking any real questions. And it's very frustrating for me to watch. But when Demi and Christian have their magical smoky date um i think the conversation they had was like the most it was, it was a real honest kind of conversation i i thought it was really kind of uh endearing i, I was just kind of yeah uh, honestly maybe a little too real because it kind of seemed like maybe they should be talking about this with that therapist not with you know adjacent to a shaman in 
a Mexican resort. Did you did you hear Christian at one point say, "Oh, I love your hat" to to the shaman, like your hat. <laughs> That's cool. Did you get that from like free people? Can I get that? <laughs> um, I think they had those at anthropology, but it was like last season. <laughs> so <laughs> that's so funny. So I feel like this interaction is simultaneously very authentic and contrived. Uh, contrived because the the tension that's being built through the editing this week was that. Demi is very she she's presenting two two stories at once, which I found really frustrating. She's saying that she's very uncomfortable with PDA, which is an, a head scratcher because we saw her having PDA all the time with Derek. She's saying she's not into PDA because she didn't come from a affectionate home, and she doesn't like seeing it in public, which can't be true because she's on The Bachelor, uh, and then. Number two, she doesn't like it because she's uncomfortable with people seeing her being out, which is, which is understandable and I think is probably the more honest answer. But she's saying them both with vigor. And so when it comes to like being anti-PDA, again, it's just really confusing. You're on The Bachelor. You were practically climbing on Derek for like four episodes. And I remember hearing... I think it was Michael Garofola saying that kisses are kind of like the baseline currency of these shows and that if you're going to get to know somebody, you're going to kiss them. It's like it's it's basically a handshake in uh, in this franchise. And so if you're not comfortable, first of all, like poor Matt Donald. Um, yeah. If you're not comfortable with kissing, then then you're on the wrong show. But certainly if you're if you're going to get insecure about somebody like touching somebody else's arm or back or giving them hugs or something like that. You're, you're, you're really setting yourself up to be stressed out the entire time. I mean, you've seen it with them both this season. Like Christian confronts Demi about like messing around with JPJ. And now Demi is confronting Christian about like messing around with Tasha or Katie or whatever. And so you have this very interesting tension between the two. I don't have an answer for this. I, I'm sincerely wondering. I, I wonder what it is about their dynamic that makes them feel so possessive toward each other because they really don't have any right over each other with you know what they do socially and casually like with with affection. I mean, they don't have any they don't have any claims over each other. So, I, you know what I mean? It's it's just like I mean I know that they're they're like established they're in a committed relationship but like i don't know i did and and christian defended herself and said like i didn't see it as flirting i'm really sorry that you saw it that way but it's like it all seemed pretty innocent and i, I wonder where that heightened sensitivity comes from it's just uh yeah it, it sends red flags when like you know your partner like playfully you know nudges someone else and your immediate thought is i don't like that i'm threatened by that you know it just communicates a lot of insecurity in the relationship. So I just found that conversation after the shaman date to be really interesting because it was actually talking about actual relational issues, not just 
yeah, I've been through a lot and I like you a lot and I'm just going to keep I'm just going to keep g- progressing forward with you. I'm going to keep fighting for you even though nobody is trying to fight back. <laughs> I'm going to swing my club around. Uh, it was like they're talking about how they express affection to other people. Like these are very practical. Um, yeah, they're actually working through a misunderstanding. It was pretty refreshing considering the previous episode had Hannah and Dylan talking about how they could go on walks and wear cut off sweatshirts. Yeah, I mean, usually when you see a real conversation in these shows, it's just all these tropes and all these like, so tell me a, a, about a time that was bad for you. Well, one time my dog died, but then I learned you got to keep living. And well, I'm giving this rose now because you know how to live or and something. You know, sometimes you just got to get another dog. <laughs> uh, so... So Christian is kind of touching on, t- touching, uh, touching on this issue of, of zing, yeah, of physical affection. I I kind of uh, I, I kind of liked it because I, I think it's a really interesting topic. Like I I myself get made fun of a little bit sometimes in my group of friends because I'm I'm very physically affectionate uh, to my guy friends and my girlfriends. I love to put my arm around people and say you know glad to see you that kind of stuff. And not everyone's like that. It's and so I enjoyed seeing kind of. A little bit of representation there. I, I feel like it's. Um, I felt a little bad for Christian, feeling like her intentions are misleading. You know. Yeah, it didn't really seem fair because Demi was bringing up this fear that she had that you know, oh, you're so affectionate with these other people, and that makes me uncomfortable. But then she wouldn't allow her to say her side of the story, which was, well, I didn't see it as flirting, and I would never want to do that. I mean, Demi still had this very visible. Like, her whole body language was so resistant to even accepting what she was saying. Um, she's like, I knew you'd say that. I knew you'd say that. It's like, come on. Like, you know, she's she's really trying to uh, to meet you where you are. And I don't know. Yeah, I, I felt that Christian displayed a lot of, um, as Derek's ex, Taylor, would say, emotional intelligence in mm. that in that scene. And so, yeah, yeah. Um, fancy feathered hats off to you christian for <laughs> for your for your insight and your patience with with demi who seems to not quite know what to say about how she feels because she doesn't quite know how she feels about how she feels she seemed pretty uh pretty conflicted there were a lot of things going on underneath the surface there it's it's all yeah it's all really hard because i don't know it was kind of like this very very this very clumsy attempt at being a progressive show by having this arc happen. And so it was just kind of nice to have this kind of little glimmer of real life in the middle of all this contrived crap. Because at one point I even got kind of like, Neh, when like Christian has an ITM and she's talking about the other contestants. And I'm like, wait a minute, you can't, you don't have the right to talk about other contestants because you're not a contestant. You know, like you're not really a part of this club is, is, you know, so the fact that she's even on the show, it's just kind of frustrating as a viewer so it's just it was really refreshing to have this this real dynamic happen, and I'm just really kind of curious, like if it's going to actually pan out well after the season's over. It definitely at least served to humanize her a little bit and make her not so much a device, but actually a person with agency and with with some say and influence in the situation, rather than just I mean, rather than just be kind of a set piece or a prop like she was up until now. I thought. Yeah, I mean, because. There's there's a history on this show of like, hey, we're gonna try to be pro- progressive and 
talk about real social issues. And so we're going to do things like, I don't know, have our first black lead and actually find the most racist guy we can find on, on Twitter and actually recruit them to be a contestant on the show. Wouldn't that be fun? It's like, it's like you, you made it worse, guys. Like the whole benefit of having someone who's not white on the show be the lead is that people who aren't exposed to a diverse group of people go, oh, they're just as cool as everybody else. And so when you make up this really fake propped together arc of like, of like, you know, dealing with the social issue, it just makes everyone more resentful. It doesn't actually make anything better. There's already enough inherent tension. You don't have to go out like searching for, for tension to shoehorn into the narrative to make it more interesting. It's, it makes it, you're right. It makes it less interesting. It makes it kind of, and it makes it really gross. If you put people of different backgrounds and different perspectives into a room, real life is going to happen. You don't have to contrive anything. And by contriving things, you're just going to make things, you're going to make people kind of turtle back into their their camps more. And you're going to reduce them into stereotypes and cliches instead of making them real people. And that, I think, is what we got a little bit of a glimpse of with Christian is that she wasn't, she showed more dimensions than just the the cliche kind of role she had been assigned up until this point. Yeah, it was framed as kind of like this whole like, well, love is love and love wins kind of situation uh, in this very thin, papery kind of way. And then you're seeing an actual relationship take place. And Where they actually have to love each other by working out their differences. Yeah. It was, it was nice. I found that really refreshing. So, well, um, we'll see how that goes uh, next week. We got one more episode left. Um, I'll tell you what, guys. I've always wanted to make a podcast and um we just kind of jumped into it like literally a week before the first episode started and we're just kind of cranking along learning as we go as you can tell uh it's been a lot of work and honestly i'm i'm really ready for the break to be honest <laughs> yeah and um just a quick recommendation the most recent season of terrace house just came out on netflix yeah and we watched the first episode tonight and it's already so good um this is a japanese reality show this is a japanese reality show set in tokyo this time they they change the location every season uh where speaking of emotional maturity these people who are very polite very insightful very kind uh usually creative types um get together and just live in a house and it is not contrived. It is not. Uh, it's not high production or or situations that are put together um, for artificial drama. It's just people living in the same house and and you're right. Like get people with differences in a, in a room together and stuff happens and um, and it's amazing. So check that out. That's what we'll be watching over the break. And um, yeah, we'll be back uh, whenever we start back with the bachelor we're planning on following his journey um i'm sad to say i don't think that it's mike or mm. derek i think that uh, i saw some rolled up pant legs and that looked like a it looks like a pilot pete move to expose his ankles um in that flirtatious way of mm. his so i guess we'll be uh following along with pilot pete and his uh windmill exploits with 30 <laughs> new young ladies uh whenever that happens uh, well 
I'm hoping you're wrong, but you're probably right. Uh, in the meantime, uh, that is week six. We hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, please, if you're enjoying the show, uh, leave a comment uh, and please give us a review on iTunes. It really means a lot. You can always hit us up on Instagram at cheers to that pod or email us at cheers to that pod at gmail.com um, or hit us up on soundcloud.com slash cheers to that podcast and please tell your friends about our show um whether or not they watch the bachelor franchise um we've talked to many people who enjoy uh thinking through these things dissecting these strangers um tumultuous love lives together with your friends so uh yeah we we would love to we would love to get more people in on the conversation so please share and subscribe and get a buzz going and if you all keep sharing with each other we'll have a virus of a content Until then, cheers. Cheers.